Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, what lurks in the hills and hollows of southwestern Pennsylvania? A co-author of a new book details sightings of UFOs, ghostly apparitions, and strange cryptids, and even black-eyed kids. They sound terrifying, very reminiscent of every uh, Dracula movie you saw where you're a kid where you have to let the vampire in or it can't gain access to your house. And from what I was told, uh, you know, they repeat the same question over and over, They'll do just about do anything to try to manipulate you into letting them in your house. Or in one case, it, uh, here locally, it was a business. Now, I have a small favor to ask. If you love Conspiracy Unlimited as much as I love delivering three shiny new episodes to you every week, I'm hoping you can do one teeny tiny thing for me. Aside from continuing listening, obviously, I need you to complete a small survey. And the results from the survey will help me enormously to know a little bit about who listens to this podcast. This type of research is vital to podcasters. So please, I ask, take a short moment and take this survey. I'm going to give you the URL right now. Uh, so you might want to jot this down. Or if you don't want to write it down, you can find it in the episode notes. But here it is. Here's the link. HTTP colon double forward slash, of course. Survey dot libsyn that's survey dot l-i-b-s-y-n survey dot libsyn dot com forward slash conspiracy hyphen unlimited i know that's a bit long but please if you can survey dot libsyn dot com 
forward slash conspiracy hyphen unlimited. Don't forget the HTTP colon forward slash at the very beginning. All right, so please take a moment, do the survey. I am enormously appreciative. Thank you so much. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome to your Friday. Did you have a good week? I certainly hope so. If not, sorry to hear, but maybe I can help make it a little bit better. Why don't you kick back and enjoy a little paranormal talk? Who doesn't love a goat? Who doesn't love a good ghost story or a UFO story at the end of the week? And I'm going to take you down to southwestern Pennsylvania to Greene County, which is right next to West Virginia, a very rural, wild part of the Keystone State filled with hills and hollows and Indian burial mounds and strange goings on. My good friend, paranormal researcher, author Rosemary Ellen Guiley has just co-authored a brand new book on this, and it has become an immediate bestseller. Uh, and I'm going to and I am pleased that her co-author, Green County, Pennsylvania resident, Kevin Paul, has joined me. Kevin is a descendant of some of the prominent first European families to settle what is now modern-day Green County and was immersed at an early age in local folklore and its application to everyday life in rural southwestern Pennsylvania. His interest in studying the paranormal began when headlines about the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia first appeared in local newspapers. He's a graduate of West Virginia University. He's worked in sales, agricultural marketing, and conservation of natural resources. His farm background, interest in history, and and study of the unexplained led to the collection of stories of high strangeness found in this book. Kevin Paul, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm fine, uh, Richard. Uh, thanks, and uh, it's a great uh, pleasure to be here with you today. Quite a provocative title, Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. Are you a lifelong resident of Greene County? Yes, I am. Um, I did leave for a very short time for an adventure when I got out of uh, college, but uh, came back and I've spent uh, my entire life here. It sounds like there's plenty of adventure right there in Greene County. One doesn't need to go looking for it elsewhere. But how did you hear about the stories uh, that are in this book? We should mention your co-author, a, a dear friend of mine, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Uh, how did you find about, out about these stories? Well, when I was a youngster, um, very young, my uh, my mother went to, went to work as a school teacher, and I got sent uh, about 100 yards up the road to my grandparents' house. Um, there was a family uh, homestead, and just heard bits and pieces of some tales uh, starting when I was about five, six years old about um, some of our uh, ancestors and their uh, interactions with the uh, Native Americans when they came here from uh, Germany. And then um, I was actually at my grandmother's uh, 
when the uh, story of the Mothman hit the local newspaper, and it, it fascinated me and, and terrified me at the same time. And I've just been interested in the paranormal since then. Uh, I've also had some experiences. And, um, you know, you just start asking around and uh, word of mouth. And the next thing you know, people are telling you stories because, uh, you know, you're not laughing at them. And you can hear some pretty interesting tales from some people that are pretty well established in the community. I have heard tell that Greene County now is considered the ha- most haunted location in the United States. Is is that your experience? I think we could lay claim to being the most haunted county in the United States. Yes, it's um has a striking similarity at times to the uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Um, and like a lot of other paranormal hotspots like uh, Gettysburg or uh, Salem, Massachusetts, or here uh, regionally, um, Moundsville, West Virginia, or the um, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia, there was a considerable bout of uh, bloodshed and uh, human anguish here. And uh, I, I think that helps us... Uh, Perhaps it's a dubious honor, but it it helps us lay claim to being the most haunted county in the United States. But of course, it's not just ghosts. It's cryptids and UFOs. And you mentioned uh, Skinwalker Ranch. The other day when I was promoting the fact that you were going to be on, I said that it's the Skinwalker Ranch on steroids because, uh, (laughs) I mean, lobster alien creatures and and uh, black blobs and mole things and yes you've got uh you've got sasquatch and, and and so forth but such it's a menagerie of the weird it certainly is um we've got a lot of things going on here it's you know we're part of appalachia uh there's a lot of um, extraction industry we've got um Marcellus gas. Uh, there was some a lot of oil drilling here um, turn of the previous century. Uh, a lot of coal mining, both uh, room and pillar and long wall. So, uh, you know, a lot of human disturbances deep in the ground and a lot of human uh, conflict above ground. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons we can uh, we're having so many sightings of so many different uh, entities, cryptids, and um, apparitions. Tell me about this giant lobster uh, that attempted to, well, it sounds like it attempted to abduct a young woman in Greene County, came through her window, and, well, tell me about that. Well, if I recall, um, you know, we had to change, this is literally small-town America, so we changed... um, Gave everybody a different name, uh, tried to disguise some of the locations as much as we could because we wanted to discourage people from going on to pri- private property without permission. But Sherry, that had the uh, encounter with the lobster uh, alien, was someone that I had known for a number of years before she uh, relayed this story to me. And I, I was astounded at first because. You know, you become friends with someone, and you um, you get to know them, and you know their family, and and you and you realize that they're credible, and they seem like they're just you know Mr. and Mrs. Average American with their family. And I was chatting with her one day, and she tells me about um, 
at first she uh, thought it was a dream where this um, lobster-like alien reached in the window and grabbed her arm with a claw and was trying to pull her outside. And when she woke up, she was laying on the floor of her bedroom uh, over by the window, and the next morning her arm was black and blue. So uh, on one hand, you know, maybe it was a dream, but how do you explain waking up in the middle of the floor with a black and blue arm? So she, of course, mentioned it to her mother, who, um, as I recall, uh, had a history of telling her when she would have these odd dreams and things or would, would see apparitions, would say things like, well, that's just the aliens looking out for you or that's your deceased grandmother. So um, it, it was a remarkable story, made even more so, like the majority of the stories in the book um, is from people I know quite well. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Was she hesitant to share it with you, or had she by this time gone on the record numerous times? Um, I don't believe she'd gone on the record numerous times. I, uh, her husband had heard the story. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember exactly what we were discussing one day. Um, I may have told her a, um, 
a UFO story I had heard, and she just uh, told the uh, told her experience of it with the lobster alien. And uh, this had happened um, shortly after Rosemary and I had started kicking around the idea of uh, putting a book together. So, you know, then one thing leads to another, and I'm saying, well, Sherry, would you mind if we put this in a book? And she said, no, as long as uh, you give me, uh, you know, you hide... Uh, conceal my identity so that's how it got that's how the story ended up in the book and and tell me about these black blobs and mole things well the black blobs um when i first heard of them i thought they were not too common but i um there's been a lot of people have very similar experience uh they can be literally the size of a chihuahua, or um, there's a couple reports of people seeing them in the woods um, about the size of a car. And they will, um, they'll scurry about usually early in the morning or dusk. Um, I've heard, um, I've had several witnesses tell me about seeing them come over the guardrail and cross the road in front of them when they're driving. Um, they'll go in and out of people's houses. Uh, they'll go up and down the walls. Like shadow people, except creatures. Uh, like shadow people, only oval. Hmm. And the the mole things seem to be a little bit, a uh, little more threatening, the, where the blobs just kind of scurry about. The mole things um, seem to have clawed feet, at least at the front and sometimes in the rear, and the reports I was getting um, from one person in particular, they would, would come around behind him uh, almost like they were trying to dig a hole in his back or uh, they were like claw at him with their front feet. And they seem to be uh, uh, somewhat more sinister than the, um, than the black blobs. The um, black blobs and the mole thing seem to appear after someone has either um, disturbed an area where there was some paranormal activity or um, crossed paths with, uh, you know, one of these apparitions or entities. And are these being, these black, or these mole things, are they being, are they encountered in a home, in the woods, outside, inside, where? Well, they're like shadow people. Like you said, um, they can just about anywhere. There, um, one gentleman in particular uh, had a lot of problems with them invading his home um, until he replaced some uh, Native American artifacts that he had uncovered when doing some remodeling work on a porch. Um, I know of another family that lived uh, out, uh, out in the country. Um, next to a construction site where they, during earth moving to build a house, they had, um, the contractor had accidentally uncovered uh, what appeared to be a Native American burial. They, they replaced what they dug up and, and moved the house site, but these black blobs appeared after that. And um, a lot of times uh, they kind of had a, prankster approach to him the gentleman that uh, relayed the story 
to me, told me he'd be standing in his front door in the early evening thinking he was talking to his beagle and it was one of these black blobs sitting behind, beside him. So, the ancient, or the artifacts, I don't know how old they are, whether ancient is appropriate, but these Native American artifacts, this seems to be the key. Disturbing burial mounds, uncovering artifacts, having an artifact in your home when it shouldn't be there. So, are these some sort of, uh, uh, are these spirits being unleashed, do you think, because of these disturbances? Are they, are they to protect these artifacts and these burial mounds? Are these, are these uh, ghosts of, of uh, fallen Native Americans? What's going on here? I'd say it's a distinct possibility that it's related to the um, uh, presence of Native Americans. Um, all these sites that are mentioned in the book, uh, specifically the ones where we related to Native American activity, I was able, um, through a friend, to see some uh, GIS maps that aren't available to the public uh, that were done by uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to help planners um, try to avoid areas where there was a, uh, a very high chance of disturbing uh, either a Native American burial ground or finding artifacts. And many of these sites, um, there's over 90% chance of uh, disturbing, you know, like I said, graves or artifacts. So I, it's kind of hard to, uh, when, when the, the GIS mapping lines up with the paranormal reports, and then again, it lined up with um, some of the oral history in our, in our own family of where, you know, my ancestors uh, ran into the uh, Indians, then you, then you have to, um, you have to think there's there's got to be some kind of a correlation. Um, the one, uh, in addition to the black blobs, the story of of the lizard man that was seen in the 1890s and then again in the uh, early 70s. Um, there again, it it was um, there was a, a known and established uh, documented uh, burial site uh, with uh, 13 graves. Which, which were described as being dwarves um, in a circle on a ridge top. And there again, this all lined up with the GIS mapping that showed a 90% chance of um, Indian uh, activity. So wherever you have disturbed burial mounds or perhaps some violent altercation between settlers and um, Indians, you're likely to have paranormal activity. Uh, yes, I'd say that's correct. Tell me about Weird Warrior Trail. Well, the Warrior Trail um, runs uh, east-west through Greene County from the Monongahela River um, to the, uh, to the, through the West Virginia state line to the Ohio River. Um, you can cross the entire width of Green County on the Warrior Trail and never ford a stream, which, you know, if you're familiar with, Appalachia's got a lot of streams. Um, so that, that's kind of remarkable in itself. What piqued my uh, interest um, in the Warrior Trail was a, 
uh, the article in the uh, local college newspaper that had a, a pretty interesting story about some uh, guys that were uh, out partying before one of them got married on the Warrior Trail and had a pretty frightening experience and went back with their um, uh, girlfriends and in one case uh, fiance and again had uh, some pretty uh, interesting encounters so that uh, that got my attention and I just started uh, asking around and um, one thing leads to another and you can connect to people um, you know you ask word of mouth uh, somebody will say well my sister had an experience and she lives in Minnesota and here's her name you can find her in social media so I was getting these stories from former Greene County residents from um, out in the Midwest and down in the south of um, uh, spectral soldiers, uh, apparitions of Native Americans, uh, ghost horses. Uh, there's been several reports of um, what sounds like drumming and Indian song. So uh, it it's, that seems to be um, a hotspot as well. And how about for you personally, Kevin? Any experiences along the, the Warrior Trail or elsewhere in Greene County? I've had several um it kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, I've seen the, again, a um, lot of shadow people. Um, I were I, one of the sites we investigated uh, when I went in the uh, Rosemary wasn't with me this particular day. I was by myself. I went in the uh, building. I walked past a um, lawn chair that was empty. When I came out. There was a woman sitting in it. It was gray hair, and I got a I got a very very good look at her. So I wa I started to approach her to see what she wanted, and she vanished. And um, I had been doing some work. Um, usually, when I go to some of these places that seem to be very haunted, I I look back through the deeds and try to piece together a little bit of a history. And I got some names of people um, that had lived there in the 40s and 50s, and searched their names. And an obituary came up of a woman in Baltimore that, that had a photograph that looked exactly like this woman I had seen in the uh, lawn chair. That remarkable, ran. remarkable when that happens, when you're able to piece it together that way. So does she have a name? She does. Um, I don't have permission to use it. <laughs> ah. Have you seen her before? Or, or, no, or since? I haven't seen her since. Since, ah. No, I have not seen her since. Um my youngest daughter, I've told this story several times, my youngest daughter and I, um, we got permission to put a garden in at this, at this location because there was a, a fairly substantial flat piece of ground, which is unusual for this county, um, to put it, that had been a garden. We, we put a garden in there and she and I and our dog were working the garden one night and the dog was, is a cuvace and they're pretty active watchdogs and she repeatedly would stare at one corner of the uh, yard and snarl and growl. Well, she was a young dog and we thought she was being a little overzealous. Um, one night we were there and she started to snarl and then her hair all stood up and she was snarling to the point where the, you know, the spit was flying out of her mouth. And suddenly she tucked her tail between her legs 
and moved around behind me and peeked around from behind my leg and looked at the same spot and started growling again. And I looked at my daughter, who was about 11 in time, and I said, let's get out of here. So we, she said, what about the tools? I said, leave them. We threw the tools down, hopped in the truck to leave. Well, uh, the dog was riding in the back of the truck, and we were in the cab, and we went about two miles and the dog was barking, and we were laughing about having the only watchdog in Greene County that would bark at nothing while going 35 miles an hour. <laughs> and something swoops down out of the trees that sort of resembled an owl. And so the vehicle we were in was an 82 Dodge uh, full-size pickup. So I'll give you an idea of the width of the hood. The wingspan on this thing was the width of the hood. It was gray. It swooped down out of the trees, up over the hood, and over the cab. And I thought, I'm not going to say a word because, you know, my daughter's only 11 years old. And we went about a tenth of a mile. And she said, that wasn't a bird, was it? And I said, <laughs> no, I don't think it was. <laughs> and what, what in particular about that, besides the wingspan, led you to the conclusion it was not avian? Um, it was way too big um it had an odd shape it had a very thick body uh and it was an odd color it was about the color of a um confederate uniform uh you know you might people might say well it was a blue heron this thing wasn't built like a blue heron it was very very blocky like an owl and that it would have been a monstrous owl if that's what it was in another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was, good, good, a handsome man Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8th, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Kevin Paul, the co-author of Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania, is with me. Black-eyed people, black-eyed children, uh, this is... I mean, I read about these encounters online. I've never met someone who's actually encountered a black-eyed uh, kid. 
Uh, is this a common occurrence in Greene County? Have you seen them? Do you know someone who's seen them? I know someone who has. It's someone who helped me do research with the book. Um, had a couple encounters with them. Uh, they sound terrifying. Uh, very reminiscent of um, every uh, Dracula movie you saw where you're a kid, where you have to let the vampire in or it can't gain access to your house. And they, um, uh, from what I was told, uh, you know, they repeat the same question over and over. Um, they'll do just about do anything to try to manipulate you into letting them in your house. Or in one case, it, uh, here locally, it was a business. Um, I'm thankful to say I have not encountered one of them. And this person that did, uh, walk me through this episode. These black-eyed kids arrived on their, at their doorstep and started knocking or maybe scratching at the door. What happened? Well, he was, um, he was at work. Uh, it was at a, at a retail store here in Waynesburg. And he saw these two uh, kids. It was a boy and a girl going door to door through the business district and and the girl would usually sit on the curb and the boy would go to the door uh hold the door open and speak for a while and close the door then they'd go to the next place so eventually they got to where uh, this gentleman was working and the the girl um was off to one side the boy opens the door and he said he just kept saying can we use your restroom i need to use your restroom can we use your restroom and he realized the the young man had no eyes. They were just black as coal, as he said. And he became rather fearful and uh, just told him no, that they had, you know, and told him where the closest uh, public restroom was. And he, he said it was only afterwards that he realized that they had walked past uh, at least three establishments that had well-known public restrooms um, before they got to his place. I mean, they were walking past, you know, uh, fast food restaurants and that sort of thing. So it was more like they wanted to get access to the room where he was than actually use the restroom. And aside from the, the eyes as black as coal, what, what other notable features did they possess? Uh, they had long stringy hair. Um, the clothes were kind of, they were, they didn't look, uh, dirty, but they were wrinkled. Um, they kind of shuffled when they walked. Uh, if I recall the story, the girl was blonde, and he never really saw her face. The young man was uh, had slightly darker hair, um, kind of an older style haircut, and uh, both of them were rather slender, uh, slender built. Now, the book Haunted Hills and Hollows, what lurks in Greene County, getting quite the uh, some attention. I mean, it's doing very well. What do the residents of Greene County uh, think about the uh, the success of this book? I mean, is this sort of like their their I don't want to use the word dirty little secret, but something maybe they <laughs> they best you know they don't want obviously they don't want a flood of people uh, stomping around Greene County looking for for night howlers and lobsters, uh, lobster aliens. So what, what's been the reaction to the book by the locals? Well, uh, local reaction has not been what I expected. I really thought I might get pilloried. And um, 
it's been very, very positive. In fact, um, since the book uh, was released, um, there's a, a, a local reporter put us, uh, put Rosemary and I uh, front page above the fold on the June 11th uh, newspaper, which covered uh, Green Washington and part of neighboring Fayette County. And um, once that happened, there was there was a gentleman that I've known for decades um, came to where I was working and he waited. Everybody was gone. And he said, so you wrote a book. And, and you know, this guy and I um, have tormented each other ceaselessly. And I expect, well, I, I thought, well, I'm going to hear some, you know, some good natured grief. And he and, and so he starts off, well, I don't tell people this, but and then he goes into this story that was uh, it was a pretty good story. Um, 99% of the feedback I've gotten so far has been very positive. I was um, a little surprised. Um, that uh, some of the history wasn't as well known as it is um, that I thought it was. Um, but for the most part, uh, the only real uh, criticism I got was uh, I had a comment that it, that the uh, locations were vague and we should have put people's names in. And uh, I said, well, we just can't do that. Um, and as far as... Uh, People coming to Greene County looking for night howlers and uh, forest prowlers. You know, with the demise of the of the coal industry, um, and agriculture here is not what it used to be. Uh, you know, we're always looking for things to help jumpstart the local economy. And if you look at Point Pleasant, West Virginia, um, the kind of economic activity that's generated the weekend of the of the Mothman Festival, I. You know, we could do that here. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of paranormal tours in Gettysburg, in Moundsville, uh, in Weston at the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Um, we could do it here. Uh, whether we will or not, I don't know, because as you know, um, the paranormal isn't uh, everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> uh, no, indeed. Why do you call your Sasquatch night howlers down there? Well, um, that could be a very regional, um, the, the story I got, uh, this is from a family member. It was a friend of his, uh, that lived a stone's throw, uh, out in the southwestern part of the county. Apparently they would come in his yard and serenade him, uh, to the point where he kept a 30 out six by the door and he called them night howlers. I, I don't, I don't know that he, uh, the gentleman's deceased now. I don't know that he, uh, knew anything at all about uh, uh, Sasquatch, but um, I just, uh, and again, going back to uh, your original question here about uh, Sherry, the woman with the, uh, had the encounter with the lobster alien, there's a there's something that uh, comes around their farm and screams at night. So, um, can't say for sure it's a Sasquatch, but we, we know for sure it's a night howler. And do you have just ordinary, run-of-the-mill, boring old Bigfoot, too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not quite as much as uh, neighboring Fayette County. Uh, you know, Stan Gordon's done a lot of work on that. Um, Chestnut Ridge is a real hot spot, but we uh, we got our share. It was There was a big... Uh, a big 
rash of uh, Bigfoot sightings here when I was in high school, and um, they kind of ebb and flow, but there's been several. And uh, dogmen, uh, these similar to the uh, the dogmen of Bray Road in Wisconsin? They certainly sound like it. Um, there's a very credible report of a gentleman who's in a tree stand deer hunting um, on a Green County, uh, Washington County line. Uh, that's in the book. And there's also the tale of a rather unfortunate uh, person that was... Um, uh, thought to be a dog man uh, in the southeastern part of the county. Um, there's also some tales of some of a goat man, but I I haven't tracked him down yet. But I'm working on it. You said something about an unfortunate tale of someone who may have been a dog man. Ex- can you expound on that? It was a poor kid in the um, in the during the depression. Uh, th- this is in the book. Um, in a nutshell, uh, the poor kid may have had polio, and uh, he was probably uh, developmentally disabled. And he uh, went to walk the uh, family, or the one of their cattle got out uh, one evening, and he put a halter on it and tried to take it home, and it took off. And the poor kid uh, either couldn't or didn't realize he probably should have let loose of the rope. Uh, and it took him for quite a drag. And um, he ended up lost. Um, and people would, would see this kind of dis- disheveled, poor disheveled kid. And they started calling the local authorities saying they, were, they thought they'd seen a dog man. But it, um, did they ever, ever find this poor soul? Well, yeah, actually, actually they did. Yes, it, um, there's actually a, a manhunt with the. Uh, this came from the. Uh, I found this in an old copy of one of the Pittsburgh newspapers. There was actually a manhunt. Uh, they mobilized state police and uh, some lo- some of the local constabulary, and they actually tracked the kid down and um, he found his way home by then, but they, they that's probably the only dog man case in Pennsylvania that's ever been uh, solved. Uh-huh. Now, when you get together at a, some sort of an event in, in Greene County, uh, I mean, are these stories just floating around or do they have do you have to pull them out of people or, or is this stuff going on so much that it's just it just comes up at just about every conversation? Um, actually, it'd be none of the above. Uh, this being Appalachia, people are can be standoffish, even if you've known them a long time. Um, once people find out that you're not going to ridicule them, if there's nobody else around, they'll talk. Um, I had a guy stop me in the local supermarket and tell me a great story about his... Uh, elderly mother who, I mean, I, this is, again, this is a family that I knew, um, was home alone. And, uh, the way she put it, something was messing with the cattle. So she went outside to see what was going on with the flashlight. It was probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night, shined the light down on the cattle and saw, and saw the reflection of the cattle's eyes. And then about seven, eight feet off the ground was a pair of red eyes. So, um, it's just like uh, I've heard some remarkable stories since the book came out. 
And it goes back to uh, people realize that you're not going to ridicule them and you're not going to say, hey, uh, I was over at uh, Tom Smith's house and, uh, you know, the queen of the aliens stepped out of his wall. <laughs> well, now that you've opened the, uh, the sluices, you may never be able to stop. <laughs> well, um, I uh, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. No. I, I had been told by a college professor uh, years ago, I was uh, three hours short in English and graduating from West Virginia University, and the only class that fit my schedule was a, a class we had to write short stories. So, uh, you know, and this is back in the days of typewriters. So we were writing these short stories and hand them into the professor, and then he'd reproduce them, and we'd read them and critique them in class. And I wrote a story about one of the local watering holes that's, that's long gone. And he uh, became quite excited. Um, he said, it, it's like I was actually there. And when the, we broke up at the end of the semester, he said, you know, you should write. Uh, he said, you should consider writing. You're very good at it. And, it, you know, you're 20 years old and you go on to other things. And then you start running into... Um, things you can't explain and you uh you know you meet rosemary ellen guiley and you're having lunch with her one day after you've worked with her for three or four years and she says you know you ought to write a book and uh that's how it got started that watering hole uh didn't involve a ghost named frank bryan did it <laughs> no no it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't very far from where Frank put in an appearance. That was um, that was quite a quite an adventure. I, uh, Tom and Jerry, I I knew both those guys real well. We uh, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, of course, that's not the real names. Um, and we thought we were pulling a prank uh, on. Uh, I think I call him Jerry in the book. The one that was. Um, not quite as boisterous as Tom and I, and we made up we, what we thought was a a, a real uh, tale of uh, this milk milk and ice cream plant being haunted by one of the original founders. Um, had the poor kid terrified, and um, when he finally admitted he was afraid to go in the milk plant at night to get stock, of course, uh, Tom and I were just in hysterics when um, there was a shelf behind the counter that had uh, milkshake cups and the, the quart and pint containers they used to hand dip quarts and pints into, and the stuff starts flying off the shelf. So that was the one and only time I was ever involved in a, uh, a paranormal prank. That came true. It came true. And, and who was Frank Bryan? Frank Bryan was, uh, he was a real person. Um, the Bryan family started the Waynesburg Sanitary Dairy, which was a landmark for generations. They made um, what your doctor would tell you today was extremely high fat ice cream and extremely high fat cottage cheese that people, besides pasteurizing milk, uh, um, People would literally come from miles around, especially on weekends, just to eat the ice cream. It, it was a real uh, magnet. And so do you suspect that that was, in fact, the ghost of Frank Bryan? Well, um, I'd say there's a distinct possibility. Hmm. 
Well, listen, Kevin, this has been a, uh, a real delight. I'm, I'm guessing that uh, if not already, soon you'll be hard at work on volume two of the, uh, the strange goings on in Greene County. Am I right? You're correct. Uh, Volume two has already uh, begun. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, then you and I will talk again soon. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you. you It's been. Thank you. All right, Kevin Paul. Well, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to give you the lowdown on what's coming up on episode 95 of this podcast. Before that, just a reminder, please check out my other podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. It's part of the Jericho Network. You know Chris Jericho from the WWE. He's also the front man of a fantastic rock band called Fozzie. So, if you enjoy rock and roll and the paranormal and unsolved mysteries, true crime, the legend and lore of rock, check out the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. New episodes drop every Wednesday at midnight. It's available at Apple Podcasts and Google Play. The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. What might happen is, we blow your mind. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, illegal biomedical experimentation and electronic surveillance, targeted individual Michael Fitzhugh-Bell returns with Invisible Crimes Part 2. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need. We need constant petting. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.